Hello and welcome to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. This podcast does contain occasional strong language and adult themes. If you are averse to spoilers for the film that is listed in the title, please tune out now, go watch the movie, or, like us, stop at the intermission, watch the movie, and resume the podcast after. Thanks for coming along on this ride with us. Please enjoy. You once said that uh, you like to make an audience scream through technical means. What is it about an audience screaming that you like? Now, those are the kind of questions uh, that the film buffs like to ask. They expect an awful lot of the sort of material that I don't tell anybody. And it was a nightmare. It was an eye-opener. Ignorance. Sheer ignorance. You know, there's no confidence to equal it. I don't have any problem with enjoying a big blockbuster. I'm not a fascist of those boring art movies which when they are over you are glad that they are over and then you celebrate it just as a kind of a superstitious measure i will talk about it so that i don't have to see it again or whatever so in a way our, our broadcast was an assault on the uh, credibility of that machine we wanted people to understand that they shouldn't take any opinion predigested and they shouldn't swallow everything that came through the tap we had uh, Orson Welles, Albert Hitchcock, John Ford, Howard Hawks, Roman Polanski. We had uh, Antonioni. We did, it was unbelievable time to listen to these guys talk. Hello and welcome to another Movies We've Never Seen podcast. Uh, this is your host, Mike, and I am here with my good friend, Alex. Uh, and we're here to talk about a certain movie. Let me let me give, go ahead and give you the synopsis of this one. Uh, now, we're going to be talking about two movies here, technically, because there are a couple that we haven't seen, but uh, this is the main one. So let me read the description that I have here. Uh, the desperate struggle of a group of thieving dwarves and some kid, maybe, that come up against a cosmically powerful being and a myriad of other foes as they try to learn why men have nipples. Uh, I realize that this movie is basically just time bandits. <laughs> it's just a bunch of thieving dwarves and they're coming up against basically god i mean that's what really the dragon is uh we're talking about uh the hobbit movies specifically the battle of five armies and the desolation of smog like yeah it's literally just time you know bandits. time bandits yeah. but with less time travel but question that's questionable, questionable even yeah. they, uh, they really fudge the line with the trans like with like the distances and how far how long it takes to get places. They they really kind of did. Uh, now, I, I will say, uh, so we are kind of doing a twofer here on this one. Because, uh, so I haven't seen The Desolation of Smog or uh, Battle of Five Armies. But I did see the original Hobbit. Uh, my good friend Alex here has seen Desolation of Smog, But neither of us have seen Battle of Five Armies. So we figured this would be a good way of sort of getting us all caught up on this uh, franchise. Um, so as as part of that, let's let's start off with a little bit of trivia here, Alex, if you're if you are all ready. I am ready. Uh, oh, before we do that, uh, I almost forgot uh, the customary uh, what are your three favorite movies? Three favorite movies. Let, I'm gonna do uh, three favorite sci-fi movies. Oh. Change change it up a little nice, bit. Nice, nice. You know what? I should probably do that. I should probably do that too. You know, go ahead and list your three favorite sci-fi, and I'll probably list my yeah. three favorite sci-fi. Uh, so I will go Wrath of Khan. Ooh. It, this is in no particular order. So mm-hmm. Wrath of Khan, probably Total Recall, the original, obviously. Yeah. And Starship Troopers. Oh. Yeah. That's I'm gonna give Beerhoven two two credits in this one. 
<laughs> you know what? That's, uh, you know what? If anyone deserves two credits, it's Verhoeven. Uh, you know what? Man, this is kind of, I, now you're, I, I put you on the spot. Now you're putting me on the spot. Uh, three favorite sci-fi films. Oh, man. Uh, I have to say uh, probably, and I'm going to put them as one movie, uh, but Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. Nice. Uh, yes. I, I'm, I'm lumping those two together because I think that really that's a case of a sequel being made that was just so perfect for the original movie, even though they were decades apart. Yeah. So They, they really fit together. They did. Perfectly. Uh, so Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. Damn, I'm going to... I don't know. This is kind of getting into sci. I, I don't want to. I don't want to get into sci-fi fantasy because that's that's a little bit. That's a little different. I was going to say something else, but I guess Star Trek could be that. Uh, I will say uh, for sci-fi, if you count it, I would say the thing. Yeah. 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 If you count it, uh, now that's kind of a cop out because that's one of also my favorite horror films. But yeah. I, I would say it's. it's a, I mean, it's it, sci- it has sci-fi vibes. Yeah, it's sci-fi horror. Yeah. I mean, it's the same way that you know, like Alien, Alien franchise yeah. is sci-fi and horror. Yeah. And then Another I would fantastic horror movie, by the way. Yes, and then I would say probably the last one on the list: Terminator Two, Judgment Day. Yes, yes, the best Terminator. It it is the best Terminator, uh, and in fact, uh, I will go so far as to say that they could just have never made Terminator One or any of the others, and Terminator Two would be perfectly fine to just exist on its own. Yeah. <laughs> I I imagine it would lead to kind of like uh, History of the World Part 1 where people kept asking, where, where's Part 2? It's <laughs> like, like, what's yeah. the first Terminator? Uh, there is no first Terminator. There was one, but it got deleted from the, the timeline. <laughs> now, anyway, trivia on Hobbit, Battle of Five Armies. There is going to be a little bit of Desolation of Smog trivia in here, but first question. This is This is a fun one. I'm just endlessly amused by this one, and I don't know why. So, uh, what is the name of the horse that played Thranduil's elk? So, there was an actual physical horse that, that, that uh, Lee Pace rode on that was later CGI'd into an elk. What was the name of that horse? Was it A, elk, B, moose, or C, deer? I'm going to say moose. I like the name moose. It, it was B. It was Moose. Nice. <laughs> it was Thranduil's... It's a horse named Moose playing an elk. <laughs> I just... It, it, it's like uh, Robert Eddy Jr.'s character in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> a dude playing a dude playing another dude. I, I That was exactly what I thought of when I saw that. I'm like, it just tickled my funny bone that this was like... It's just a horse named Moose playing an elk. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, who was originally considered for the role of Bilbo Baggins? As we know, Martin Freeman, who, frankly, I think was probably the greatest choice that anyone could have made. And that's what—that's the, the first thing I'll say about this movie. The, the casting was very good. But uh, who was originally slated for the role of Bilbo, or originally considered heavily? Uh, was it A, Daniel Radcliffe, B, Robert Pattinson, uh, or C, Ryan Gosling. I'm gonna say Robert Pattinson just because he he seems to be getting cast in into a lot of films that you wouldn't imagine. Okay, so so Robert Pattinson B is your answer. Uh, however, it was actually a Daniel Radcliffe. Damn. Uh, fun fact: there actually was the the second person that they considered uh, after Daniel Radcliffe. Um, they kind of put him down. The second person that they strongly considered was none other than Mr. Spider-Man himself, Tobey Maguire. Oh. I want to see that film. Uh, that would have been... I, I can't see him as Bilbo, 
but I do want to see it. Yeah. I, I'm i in the same boat as you. I want to see him as, like, scary Bilbo, but with, like, the emo, like, comb over. <laughs> <laughs> he just... This is actually just the fourth Spider-Man, uh, and he didn't <laughs> he resolve actually, anything from the third one. Yeah, it's... um, Yeah, the Hobbit movies are just the fourth Spider-Man movie, and they're all directed by Sam Raimi. You know, that would be the other sort of, like... Ah, yes, here's the here's the uh, indie horror film director that somehow grifted people into making big-budget films in Hollywood trope, uh, along with Peter Jackson. Yeah. Because a lot, like, say what you will about Peter Jackson's more recent, like, catalog of things, uh, which I haven't seen, uh, what was that one about the, it's basically Howl's Moving Castle. Um, yeah. The... The city's on wheels. Yeah, starring Hugo Weaving and other people. Like that one looked. You mean Elrond? Elrond, yes. <laughs> uh, Mister Anderson. <laughs> um, no, but that one looked baller, and I haven't seen it. And I do want to see it. Uh, something, something engines. I, I don't. Immortal, remember. immortal engines. Immortal engines. Maybe yeah. infernal something. No, it was I something engines. Like the word, like I the robot. I, I robot. I robot. Uh, immortal yes. engines. Yes, iRobot, directed by Sam Raimi. <laughs> <laughs> with Will um, Smith, though. With Will, sad Will Smith now. <laughs> sad Will Smith now. <laughs> um, but, uh, man, his life got flipped, turned upside down, didn't it? <laughs> I, I'll, I'll go kill myself now <laughs> for making that joke. We all want to apologize from this podcast to the Fresh Prince. <laughs> That's, yes. But anyway, so yeah, uh, it was uh, Toby Maguire was going to be uh, the the second choice uh, after Daniel Radcliffe, but he would Radcliffe was the one who was originally uh, kind of like uh, singled out as who they wanted to get to play um, Bilbo. So yeah, there you go. Now, uh, last question. Now, this is relevant to all of the movies, uh, and I think is just the most. I don't know if it's the most telling statistic that i've ever seen on this film uh and sort of my relationship with it the total runtime of all three hobbit movies is approximately eight hours how long does it take to read the hobbit book without stopping is it a 20 and a half hours b 10 and a half hours or c six and a half hours um i'm gonna go b 10 and a half hours is what you're saying b 10 yeah so if you read at a, and this is again, this is this is at a sort of a standard like audiobook pace. Yeah. Uh, if you read that all in one sitting, the original Hobbit is six and a half hours long of reading solid. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's probably that's probably the best lead in to this whole episode. <laughs> is that the most telling piece of trivia? Is that it takes eight hours to watch a movie based on a book that is only six and a half hours long. Now well, it's kind of like Christmas Carol. Because Christmas Carol is like a, I like you can read it in like fifteen minutes. Or well, yeah, because it's, it's, it's really short. It's like a novella, is what it yeah. is. Like it's not. Yeah, it's not a full story. I mean, I don't even know if you could call it a novella because it was originally just published in a um like it was originally published I think in just a uh, newspaper. Yeah. Originally, but yeah, I, <laughs> I I get what you're saying on that one, and so I've read, and I'm sure you have too. I there was a point in my life where I read. Every Lord of the Rings book, I did the Christopher Lee thing and read all of the Lord of the Rings book books uh, once a year. And I probably did that for, I want to say, all throughout high school at least. 
and probably before that. So I would say there's uh, when I went to college, it got a little dicey. So I didn't continue that into college. So I'd probably say there was a good six years where I've read every single Lord of the Rings book, including yeah. The Hobbit, all the way through. And this is the Silmarillion as well. So I, I'll be honest, I still have not been able to sit down and read through the Silmarillion. It's hard. It's a hard read because it does not play like the others. It's more of a not quite a dry history. It is a it's a very interesting history book. Yeah. Is what it is. It it does not follow the novelization of the others. But yeah. there's God, there's just some such cool shit in it though. Yeah, I know I the lore is like supremely fascinating. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. But yeah, no, the like the lore aspect of the Silmarillion though is just it's just great. But yeah, I, I can see why you didn't read it. But I so coming as somebody who read these books a lot, um, and also avidly reading the appendices, uh, and everything that Tolkien ever basically published about them, I think that I like the idea that that Peter Jackson was willing to sort of go and do all of these extra things within the movie and add them into it and make it sort of feel more like it was in line with the Lord of the Rings. Because again, The Hobbit is a children's book. Yeah. It really is. Yes. And the Lord of the Rings is clearly not a children's book. No. Um, I mean, I guess kind a mature of. a mature kid can read An them. An older kid. Older yeah. kid. Like, you have to be, like, I would say, like, yeah... Anywhere after 10, maybe. Yeah. Like, maybe even not even 10, like 13. Yeah, I, I'd give it to a 10-year-old. Yeah, I would give it about, to a 10-year-old. A I mean, I would, honestly, I'd probably read it to my 5-year-old. Yeah. Um, She would be okay with it. She's seen all the Lord of the Rings extended editions, yeah. which are, honestly, like, kind of fucking gory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, like, honestly, like, I remember, like, being scared by the Balrog. Oh, yeah, When I, I saw a Fellowship. I think she was, um... She was probably more scared of stuff from Return of the King more than the Balrog. Yeah. I think she gets... She's not scared by gore. She's scared by themes. Okay. And the Return of the King was much more higher stake themes. Because okay. she was fine with the Two Towers. And that that was... That's a dark movie, man. It is. It's, there's a lot of death in that one. There really is. But I think it was like... She gets scared by themes. But so anyway, I... This is sort of the elephant in the room for me, is that I feel like I endorse Peter Jackson's liberty taking, as it were, with the story. I liked it, at yes. least in the first Hobbit. Um, there were some weird, like, it was kind of weird where it's like, oh, yes, you've got this weird orc over here that's, like, doing stuff? Like, what is he? He's not in the book. But I think that it played well, at least in the first film. Now... The other ones, I, I'm i a little shaky on the chronology because basically I saw the first one. I'm like, I like it. So like like my sister-in-law, uh, she absolutely like, she just railed against it. Like we even had like a heated conversation at like a family gathering about The Hobbit. Uh, and I was like, no, it's actually quite good. And most of the things that he's putting in this movie are actually drawn directly from the appendices. <laughs> Uh, pushes up nerd glasses. Let me point to you in the books where these came from. Um, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was literally going to um, actually her at, at a family <laughs> gathering over The Hobbit. <laughs> You've seen a Desolation of Smog. That's kind of where I feel like most people, generally speaking, that aren't, like, kind of diehard against this, like the first Hobbit movie. Yeah. Um, where I feel like it kind of started going downhill with Desolation of Smog, as far as colloquially speaking. Yeah. Like, where does, where does in the story, where does Desolation of Smog actually, like, end? 
It ends as Smog leaves uh, to go torch that town on the lake. His name oh, escapes um, me. The, all, all, I used to have literally every piece of Lord of the Rings trivia in my brain, but I have since replaced it with other things. Yeah, I've replaced all of it. Not all of it. I've replaced... Uh, it's taken second fiddle to like Dresden. Knowledge. That you know, that's actually probably true. That's probably what's been replacing <laughs> <laughs> an encyclopedic knowledge of Dresden Files lore. Yeah, it's such a big, like hot button thing right now. More so with comics than it is with yeah. books right now. I think we were starting to go through a book adaptation phase, like in the early, like late '90s, early 2000s, yeah. when the Lord of the Rings were originally coming out. But then we've since moved to comics. But, like, I I struggle to find a better, like, as far as book adaptations go, like, the Lord of the Rings were great. Like, yeah. and I know that they took liberties with it, but I feel like I trusted Peter Jackson enough to do it. Like, he earned enough goodwill with me from those that I'm like, you know what, he can do whatever the fuck he wants with The Hobbit. Basically, I kind of like the original. Do you remember what, do you know what the original idea was for the, for the Hobbit movie? I don't think I do. <clears throat> so Peter Jackson originally pitched this as he was going to produce it but not direct it. He originally had Guillermo del Toro slated as the director. I do remember this. And they were only going to do one Hobbit movie with a with one bridge movie called There and Back Again. Mm-hmm. So basically he was going to have an entire Hobbit film, one setting. Guillermo del Toro was going to do it. It was going to be a complete story. And then they were going to do, Guillermo del Toro was going to do a second story, which was based on sort of the bridge material and create sort of that, you know, like that sort of subplot where you have um, Gandalf and um, like the sort of like... Necromancer. The necromancer in Mirkwood sort of deal. That whole thing kind of spinning off into its own movie, which... To be honest, I was all about because there's a lot of that source material. There's a lot of that source material does exist, yeah, uh, and it's very fleshed out. Like even though it doesn't have its own book, like again, if you look in the appendices and like references here, and like <laughs> like you can you can like you know it's that it's the the, the Charlie Day uh, like yeah, like connecting strings board. on the wall, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you're just like yeah, ah! uh, but you can you can do it, and it makes sense from the books. So like there's enough material there. Um, I don't know. From what I've heard of, especially, like, Battle of Five Armies, I've heard is basically just, like, you know what? Hey, let's just take the ending, the the last couple battles of the Return of the King, punctuate it with a few moments of, like, of dialogue, and then it's literally just a battle the entire movie. Which, frankly, I could get down with. Yeah. You know? I've heard a lot worse things about Desolation of Smog because of sort of the whole... Thing that they do with like the elves i've heard a lot of people dislike the whole elf thing which i thought was kind of a cool addition i don't know what are your thoughts having seen that one versus versus like what and maybe where they're going to go with that in battle of five armies like because i i i was mixed on orlando bloom being in it but i did like the addition of all the other elves being kind of more focused characters yeah i've the way they added them in what i would say is the best way to have added them in to like flesh them out a little bit more i I understand that uh the liberties they had to take to adapt it it's just it still feels a lot like filler 
So, and that was kind of my thought too, is that like, as much as I feel like I would like the subplots of a lot of like going forward, because I could feel that they were just going to like, cause when, when I originally, when I originally like heard about it, I'm like, okay, it's going to be two movies. You could stretch it into two movies. Right. But when I heard it was going to be three, man, that's, that's gotta be a lot of filler. Yeah. As much as I like the liberties and licenses taken, I think this might be, and, and obviously like a Christmas Carol and like other things based on like novellas might be like, or small short stories might be notwithstanding. This is probably the, like an actual novel length film being longer than this, like source material is just, I feel very like unprecedented. Um, because I don't think that there are any other films out there that that do that. And again, this is three films we're talking about, yeah. not one, but uh, a set of films depicting all of this. Like, I mean, I'm 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 assuming it takes much longer to read Harry Potter than it does to watch all of them, right? Yeah, yeah, because they're they're pretty big books. Yeah, especially like as you get like further like into like four and on. Yeah, because the, the, the first like three are like more bigger. kids. They they do the Lord of the Rings thing where like yeah. the first one's clearly a kids book. Yeah, and then they get a little bit. They get they, they, they all grow up get as gradually more mature. Yeah, they grow up. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel as like the they did. They grows. they grow up well. Yes. Yeah, um, along with the character, which is kind of a weird thing for a book series to do, but I guess that makes sense. It, like, I mean, it worked well. It timed out well for me because I was about the same age as the characters oh, yeah, as that, I read through the books. That would, yeah, you know, that that would make sense. That's, I have to hand it to J.K. Rowling for that. Yes. Um, because I feel like that was a very unique way of doing things where it's like, you know, you get other book series where here's the protagonist and they've written like 40 books and they never age. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the comic book rules, how, how Batman's still in his 30s, 40s, but... <laughs> you know like the punisher fought in vietnam and it's like it's like, like the old the oldest that batman can is is when he was uh is when alan moore wrote him yeah <laughs> like uh like the dark knight returns or whatever uh, i think dark knight returns yeah yeah that's the oldest he's ever been i guess i guess the only one who's like been like you know obviously dr manhattan could like like wolverine yeah certainly like there are very few comic book characters that it makes sense for, but uh, I've heard that I now I haven't read that much Constantine, but I have heard that Constantine ages like in in real time. I suppose I I don't know how that's how that so he, works with the current crises. So I don't I don't know how it is. So to to kind of get like nerdy on it i kind of picked up a lot of dc stuff when the new 52 hit because it was a good reset for me to jump in yeah um and it seemed like he was aging like in real time basically of the events happening it seemed that that was sort of the implication now again i didn't read enough into it and they kind of have since done away with the new 52 uh and re done another reset since so i don't know how that's actually working but i i was never into that particular comic um before that point, uh, which it is a good comic. I need to really read more of it, yeah. to be honest. But um, it's always a tricky thing, like what liberties are, are taking. Because I, I, I struggle to think of any movie that is just like, and I'm sure that there, are, I'm sure that there's a couple that are just obvious out there, and I'm forgetting at this point, like what movies are like just directly ripped from a book and nothing has changed. Like I don't know. Can you think of any off the top of your head? Like I. I, I want to say that there's one or two that I've even seen, but I can't think of them. I mean, maybe the 
the uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe might be the most faithful big budget adaptation I can think of. You know, now that you say that, and and I I it's been a bit since I've seen it. Uh, I think you might be right. And actually, the the um voyage, I think what did they do? They did Voyage of the Dawn Treader too, right? That, they yes, they did. That one was wildly that one was super not faithful yeah i was gonna say because it was a wild swing from like this is actually pretty much exactly like it is in the book yeah and then don treader was like yeah here's kind of what happens yeah (laughs) but not actually at all yeah i like prince caspian was like they gradually got less faithful to the books as they went on (laughs) Prince Caspian wasn't too bad. Like they took some liberties. I remember there. Caspian I, being okay, but I I liked Caspian. I did not like Don Treader. That was it was not good. See, and it was super not good if you were a fan of the original books. So coming from a from a Tolkien superiority house, uh, I think C.S. Lewis is a fucking scrub, and I didn't like the books. I I loved the books. Now I haven't revisited those books and. Probably close to like 20 years, but like when I was a kid, I read through because we had all seven and I read through all of them several times. Yeah, like I, I really love the Chronicles of Narnia. Okay, I, I'll have to give it a revisit. I so I can point. respect that. So I read probably, I want to say, I read I read Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe. I, and I think I read Caspian and Don Treader, and then there's one under that I read. I didn't read them all. Um, I basically, I read Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and I thought, okay, this is... Because I had read it after I had read, like, The Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I was expecting more of the same thing, but instead of, like, a nice, like, fantasy universe that is not ham-fisted in any way with its allegories, it's, aha, Jesus Lion. <laughs> Yeah, it's I like, it really beats you over the head with the the Christ allegory. It, it does, and I like fine, whatever. It's cool, C.S. Lewis. Uh, yeah. You can, you can that that's your stick, that's your style, whatever. And I think I read the other ones because uh, like the later ones after that because they weren't quite, they didn't feel quite so like Christ allegory ish, where it's like they're going to be ham fisted about it, but they still kind of were. And Lewis really never really. It feels like he doesn't, like, evolve at all or, or make the story feel... I guess the thing is that there's all different characters in these, yeah. and there's a few recurring ones that yes. go through all of them that are threads. Uh, and it didn't really capture my attention, and I felt that Lewis was very ham-fisted about his allegories, whereas Tolkien was very elegant, and he... I mean, he designed his own language, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Like, like, how are you going to compete with that? So that was my. that's my thoughts on it. It was like this elegant sort of fantasy that like you could take in many different ways and it was complex but an easy enough story to follow mm-hmm. whereas Lewis's was Jesus yeah <laughs> like and again I don't I don't disparage anyone for as much as I joke about it I don't actually disparage anyone for like like for liking the Chronicles of Narnia yeah. because I mean they're good kids books like yeah. whatever I it's fine but I and we were having a conversation about this another another time, but uh, basically, 
I I quite like the BBC adaptations because they're so they're 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 so they're so bad they're good sort of things. Yeah, like it's, from it's the very 60s. much original Doctor Who run. Yeah, um, um, same era. Yeah, so I I will say like the my favorite Chronicles of Narnia books are probably the least allegorical ones. I I really loved. Uh, Horse and His Boy and uh, Silver Chair is probably my favorite Chronicles of Narnia. Well, that was the other one that I read and I couldn't remember the name of it. I didn't read Horse and His Boy, but I did read The Silver Chair. And yeah. I did actually... That one I think probably might have been the, my favorite one. Yeah, and talking talking about uh, Doctor Who, Tom Baker. Yeah, Tom Baker's in that. He stars as uh, Puddle Glum. Um, yeah. And that's... Yeah, that's, what more could you want, honestly? I mean... Truly, it... Just watch the BBC adaptations. It really, I, like, I really need to pull those out, and we should do episodes on those. To be honest, I'm hundred percent down. God, we're, we're now we're like we just went from like 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 Lord of the Rings to just like shit talking C.S. Lewis. <laughs> That's exactly how I envisioned this podcast to go. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, they were friends. IRL. It's funny too because, like in real life, Tolkien actually shit talked C.S. Lewis a lot about his ham-fisted allegories. It's actually really funny. <laughs> they they had the same conversations we're having right now, except they were they were smoking and drinking a lot more. And as from what I remember, they got into a lot more fights about it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we can break out the gin, and uh, I. You know, I've, I've got pipe tobacco. Like we can make this happen. I, I have an old pipe from when I was in when I was in college. Yeah, we could we could do this definitely. Yes. yes. Um, get, get real. We need someone in here to be G.K. Chesterton though, <laughs> okay. just to be the wild card. Pat. Oh yeah, we got to get Pat in yeah, here to be G.K. Chesterton. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, you you silly nonces fighting about fiction. <laughs> Because he, um, he did, I mean, he did fiction, but he did more, like, like historical fiction and philosophy, yeah. so, like, whatever. <laughs> Weirdos. <laughs> what a weirdo. <laughs> so, Battle of Five Armies, like, I kind of, I don't know where I come down on this one. I, I want to like it a lot, is the thing. I want to like Desolation of Smog a lot, because, again... I'm a I'm a Lord of the Rings fanboy. I'm a Lord of the Rings stan. Like I gotta yeah. I gotta I gotta do what I do uh, with it. And I gotta I love Peter Jackson as a director in general because I feel like his vision. Like I don't think that anyone else could have done Lord of the Rings the no. way that he did it. I, I think that that was probably if there was any sort of ordained by God coincidence, it was that Peter Jackson directed the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it, it truly his. I can't imagine a better adaptation. Actually, no, I take that back. Uh, the animated Lord of the Rings are the the definitive adaptations. <laughs> oh, uh, the it was a Bakshi and Rankin Bass. Yes, uh, I think I want to say Rankin Bass did. Uh, they did the first two books adapted as the Lord of the Rings, and then I want to say it was Bakshi that did. Return of the King as its own movie. Yeah, I believe that is the case. Yes, it's it's either that or I have it backwards. I I don't know enough about it. The I mean, every time someone someone mentions it, all I can think about is you just doing Sam's ooh hooray line, <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh hooray. <laughs> That's. <laughs>
<laughs> I can get, I can get weird. Like as as a as much of a meme as I'm sure you're presenting that as, I I imagine that equal parts of it is, yeah. There's some nostalgia there. There's a lot of nostalgia there. And really, up until up until a certain time period, I think the only way you could have done the Lord of the Rings was as an animated film. Yeah. So it makes sense. And like, it's, there's a lot of cool. I mean, say what you will about it, but I I like rotoscoping. Uh, and there's a lot of cool rotoscope work in those movies. Yeah, it's yeah. I have to give them. I have to give them that. And it's been a minute since I've seen them. That whole like Bakshi style is, and 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 that that animating style is kind of. It's a little bit outside of my wheelhouse, so mm-hmm. I'm not quite as into that as a lot of people are. But like, I definitely like can respect it and the things that they've done with it and. I could, you know, honestly, as as a as an opinion, if you were to just hold fast to that, and like if that was going to be the hill that you die on, I would a hundred percent respect you in that opinion. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know what? That's a take that probably no one else on this planet has, and like, <laughs> well, no, I take that back. There's there's always got to be one. There's, there's always someone. yeah. There's, there's always somebody. Uh, like I I'm, would a hundred percent respect your opinion on that one. I, will I probably hop on wouldn't Reddit, even fight you. I can find that person. I'm certain. <laughs> oh God, let's 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 just. Let's, Let's just invite some some Reddit degens on here. Yeah, <laughs> to stand Ralph Bakshi. I I will say I I do prefer. Now, great, I haven't seen uh, Five Armies, but I I'm going to assume that it's going to be about as good as the first two. Uh, so I will say I like the animated Hobbit uh, better. Really? Than the live action, yes. Oh man, that's a that's a uh, that's I feel like that's a bold claim. So I, I feel like I feel like you're wanting to wanting to kind of rate what you think that Battle of Five Armies is going to be. What's your what's your rating on this? Um, I'm, I give it like a uh, one point five. One point five out of five Snake Pliskins for you, huh? I don't want mine to be that low, but I man, I don't have very good expectations. So I would say I would I would probably put the the first Hobbit for me. I felt like was a three and a half out of five Snake Plus. I'll buy that. Yep. I haven't seen Desolation of Smog and I haven't seen Battle of Five Armies. I'm going to say that it does maybe the inverse of what the original trilogy did. I'm going to say Battle of the uh, Desolation of Smog for me is probably going to be a mm, probably a I'll say one and a half out of five Snake Pliskins. And I'll say Battle of Five Armies is probably, I'll probably bump that up to a two and a half or maybe even a three. Because I feel like, from what I know of it, and again, it's it's all just literally wrapping things up. And it's it's like the final 30 minutes of a Star Wars film, yeah. but drawn out into a three-hour movie. Exactly. If it's that much action, it can't just, it can't be that bad. Knowing the choreographers that, like, Jackson uses. True. I don't think it's going to be that bad. So I'm going to give it a solid, let, let's, I, I'll, I'll do this. Three and a half Snake Pliskins for The Hobbit, which I've seen. 1.5 for Desolation, because I feel like it's going to drag inversely of where uh, the original trilogy did, where Two Towers was an excessively good sequel. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, it's going to fall short of... It's going to be a decent ending, but it's not going to feel as good as Return of the King at all. Uh, And that's where I'm going to come down with a solid, like, three. I'm going to give it... A little bit better than average because I think the action in it is just going to be good enough to outshine any of the other bad parts. That's yeah. that's where I'm coming down on this one. Yeah, so I will say from memory, and granted, I have not watched Desolation of Smog since 
I saw when it was originally in theaters. So that said, I, I'd probably give it a one and a half. Okay. From memory. Okay. So. so you're kind of keeping it like it's level, basically, yeah. is where you're just like, this was, this was uh, like just like baseline, just barely okay. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. It, was, it was barely acceptable as a movie. Barely acceptable as a I, movie. I, like, especially when you take into consideration, like, the team that they had and the other things that the people involved have, that were involved in that movie have done, very disappointing for me. Yeah, well, that's the thing, too. I feel like they relied much more heavily on CGI, on CGI in The Hobbit than they did with practical effects in the in the Lord of the Rings series because, like, I feel like there was a lot. There was a lot of truly amazing practical effects yeah. in the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, and and there was like they they had like people just doing around the clock like makeup. And and prosthetics, costuming. Whereas in this, I feel like they just did like, oh, you know how we put Andy Serkis in a mocap suit and that was revolutionary? Let's just do that for everybody now. Yeah. Like, and, okay, I can, doing it for Gollum, doing it for like, I'll even, I'll stand for Jar Jar Binks. Like, that was fuck. like, Jar Jar Binks holds up so well. I haven't, no, I haven't seen, I haven't seen the prequel I, trilogy. I've, I've gone back um, and watched it with my daughter, yeah. and, like, those special, the, I'm going to tell you right now, the visual effects from the prequel trilogy of Star Wars are better than the special effects from The Hobbit. I, I believe it. I mean, it's, it's just insane how good they were. Yeah. And that was, like, the first generation that they, now, and again, the, the first, like, around the same time, that's when, you know... Lord of the Rings were coming out around the same time as when the prequels were mm. coming out and the mocap stuff was brand new. I don't, I think mocap stuff has gotten, honestly, I, it may have even degraded, yeah. frankly, or p- people are just getting lazy with it because yeah. like, it's going to be uncanny Valley for a while still, but like they're doing, they're trying to get more like, you know what they did with Carrie Fisher and um, after she, you yeah. know, kicked the bucket and then um, what's his face? Uh, Peter Cushing's character. Yeah. A yeah. grandma of Tarkin uh, where it's like, Oh, let's just high. Let's just do mocap on this actor. And then we'll yeah, like fix, CG, it, in post. fix yeah. it in post. Like I, that feels so lazy and bad and I don't like it. I really like for that. Like I liked rogue one a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I wish they had just gotten, just let him be played by a different actor. <laughs> or don't put him well, in. It's funny because they actually had a very long, arduous uh, casting process for the actor who did play him and voiced uh-huh. him. But then they CGI'd over his face. And actually, if you look at him on set when he is acting, he looks a lot like uh, like Peter Cushing. Like, at least a young Peter. He looks... Yeah. I mean, like, there are definite differences, but he looks like he could have been young Peter Cushing. And honestly, mm-hmm. I don't see why that's an... Like, why you would... Like, I, I get that you want things to be consistent, right? Yeah. But you have to suspend at least a little bit of disbelief because you know that these movies were made in a time long ago in a galaxy far, far away, yeah. and these people are dead. Like, let <laughs> yeah. go of it. Let go of it and just... Get somebody who looks and sounds like they don't even have to be like, like as long as they're at least decent at acting and can like like hit that person's notes, they yeah. can be a no name, like whatever. Yeah. Hire him. <laughs> yeah, and I, but Star Wars excelled at that. 
Yeah. You know, and hiring no-name actors. And that was what it was all about. about. Getting great things out of them. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's Even the it's, prequels, like, with the exception of, like, I guess Liam Neeson, really. Uh, Liam Neeson. I, I, was it Ewan McGregor? Ewan McGregor, that was one of his earlier what? roles. He wasn't a huge star at that point. That was, that was before... No, that was after Trainspotting. It was just after Trainspotting, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Because Trainspotting was, I think, 99 or 97, somewhere in there. I want to say 97. And then, like, a few years later, that's... And it was, like, 2001 when they... Or 2000 yeah. when they released it, basically. Yeah. So he basically went from train spotting to Obi-Wan. Yeah. Um, I feel like... And again, this is maybe just my gut on this. And going back to Lord of the Rings for a second, the the ep- what this episode's about and The Hobbit, I feel like Peter Jackson had a lot more control over the Lord of the Rings than he did over The Hobbit. Because I th- I get the feeling, and if I did some research, I'm because I've heard that this this is true, but I can't confirm it. That the studio was trying to cash cash grab the yeah. Hobbit, and Peter Jackson wanted to at least be involved with it in to a certain extent, but the studio, you know, I think that the my biggest point of evidence of this is that Guillermo del Toro was originally going to do it, yeah. and then he kind of made mention that the studio was not letting him do the things he wanted along with Peter Jackson, who was writing it along with Philippa Boyens and all the other, and Fran Walsh who did the originals. I got to imagine that a lot of this was studio shenanigans. Yeah. And which truly astounds me because Peter Jackson has shown that he can make astounding movies. And I don't know the exact figures, but I'm going to say approximately the, original lord of the rings trilogy made more money than god yeah like, i mean up until that point i think uh i want to say that the, the trilogy was the other than the prequel trilogy of star wars yeah uh and i think that they might have been neck and neck at a certain point in time uh because they were coming out around the same time period uh yeah they between the two like obviously now we have like avengers and all that stuff and like all of like the marvel like disney juggernaut yeah but like yeah up until that point they were unprecedented for the amount of money they made and this this from a man who let's not forget that the warner brothers i believe who was the original distributor time warner decided that the man that the man who made a movie about zombies with there being a scene where he kills zombies with a lawnmower uh, was the one to direct this beloved franchise. Yes. Let's let's not forget that. They took a chance on him for some inexplicable reason, like inexplicable reason. Yeah. And then he made as much money as God has. Yeah. Like <laughs> it like if that doesn't show you that this man should be like you can trust this man with anything you give him. I I, I have to say that there was studio shenanigans yeah. because I don't believe that the Hobbit could be as bad as at least Generally speaking, again, you're giving it 1.5 Snake Pliskins out of 5. Yeah. I can't imagine that Peter Jackson could do anything in this franchise that's that bad. So that's, yeah. like, And even it's got me thinking, like, yeah, maybe maybe Desolation of Smog is 1.5. <laughs> like, yeah. It's even, like, and maybe you're Mandela affecting me into, like, believing this. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but, which, if you're going to complain about these, just go fucking read the books because they're actually... As good as the Lord of the Rings were, the books were still actually better. Ooh, even with Tom Bombadil. <laughs> uh, yes. 
<laughs> Tom Bombadil was the only reason to read those books. He was the greatest. <laughs> he's the best reason. He's the only. He's the only reason. The only reason. He's just read. Just read. Like just I think, ignore just the read rest the, of the book. Just read the fifth chapter of the Lord of the Rings. I think it's the fifth. Uh, just read the fifth and sixth chapters. That's yeah. all you need to read of yeah. the Fellowship, and then That's don't it. read the rest of it. <laughs> all the rest of the information is superfluous. Tom Bombadil is like some weird like. Is some weird like creature from like the ether who is neither who is not tempted by any of the pleasures of the world. It's just <laughs> ins- like like the con like Tom Bombadil's concept is like it's so tantalizing and like like what the fuck is this character? <laughs> like, oh yeah, it's truly a fantastic like I you know I've said this I the Lord of the Rings lore is mm-hmm. just amazing. It it really is. Uh, I, I truly love all of that franchise. Yeah. Well, speaking of loving that franchise, uh, I think we're going to go ahead and uh, try to love the uh, Hobbit franchise uh, for the next uh, probably, oh, you know, we're going to take like a six-hour break to watch these uh, these yeah. couple movies, uh, and then we'll be back with uh, our final thoughts. So we will see you on the other side of this. You'll have a tale or two to tell of your own when you come back. Can you promise that I will come back? No. And if you do, you'll not be the same. My name is Bilbo Baggins. Bagginses. What is Bagginses? Precious. Where is our hobbit? Cast the halfling. Now he's lost. I thought it was with Donny. Don't blame me. But where did you last see him? I think I saw him slip away when I first collared him. One day it'll grow, and every time I look at it, I'll remember. Remember everything that happened, the good, the bad, and how lucky I am that I make it home. On behalf of the people of Lake Town, I ask that you honor your pledge, a share of the treasure so that they might rebuild their lives. I will not treat with any man, while an armed host lies before my door. I'm glad you are here. I wish to part from you in French. No, you are not going anywhere, Thorin. You're going to live. My word and my teeth to the gate. I am so sorry that I have led you into such peril. Where did you go to, if I may ask? Look ahead. What brought you back? Looking behind. Hello and welcome back. I am joined by my good friend Alex. Uh, and we... Uh, it's It's like the next day, I guess... You were giving this this well, and I guess technically the two movies, but it's the the second and the third Hobbit movie. Uh, overall, one and a half Snake Pliskins out of five. Uh, I was giving it an optimistic three because I generally tend to think that Peter Jackson is a good director. I think that a lot of the things that he was maybe made to do on this one were studio things. Uh, but I think that after watching these movies, I think that even he cannot uh, he cannot make that happen. Yeah. So, initial thoughts? I... Whoa. That was something I watched. Those, are, those, are, those, those happened. Those yeah. are worse than I remembered. 
All right, so so I didn't remember when I was actually um, when I was actually watching this back again. Uh, I had watched the Battle of the Five Armies, uh, not Battle of Five Armies. Um, I, I had watched them um, Desolation of Smog. Right, I'd watched like the first half of it up until they get to Lake Town prior to this and i don't know where i saw it don't know what i was doing have no clue but i'm like this is so familiar i've seen it before uh and i just it was so unmemorable that i could not that i just couldn't remember seeing it but i had i guess (laughs) um it's a big it's a big oof for me the whole the whole thing so i will say the things that i did like about it i think up until you got to the mountain. It was mostly okay in Desolation of Smog. And the scene where, the one scene where it was the iconic Bilbo talking to the dragon scene, I think it was okay as well. But everything else was just, in Desolation, was just awful. And um, I guess even like the scene where there were, Desolation was okay, I'll just give it that. But God, Battle of Five Armies was just the worst way to cap off that trilogy so i i'm going to not necessarily counter but i for my money desolation is worse than five armies Hmm. i five armies vastly overstated welcome i think i got to like the halfway point and i was like oh okay there's like 20 minutes left and i hit pause for something (laughs) and i was like oh Oh no, there's another hour left. I was like, how am I not more done with this movie yet? I kept thinking that the entire time. Like, I I didn't do it once. I did it like five times in the the Battle of Five Armies. I'm like, this is just a slug. Yeah, it's... Yeah, that was rough to get through. It was like, it was like, I just, it's like you're eating, it's like you're a kid and you're eating some food that like, oh no, this is really good food. It's good for you. And then it's like, no, it just tastes awful. Like you're making me eat like as a kid, Brussels sprouts, which no kid likes Brussels sprouts until you're like of a certain age where you can like, your palate starts developing a little bit more, right? Or, Or like broccoli. I mean, sometimes you get a kid who likes that, whatever. But, like, it's just your mom telling you, no, you got to sit down and eat this and won't let you leave the damn table until you do. That's what this felt yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. It's it's you're, you're 10 years old and your mom's like, well, you're 10. You got to eat 10 Brussels sprouts before you can have dinner or before you can have dessert. I de- you know, depending on the size of the Brussels sprouts, that's a lot of damn Brussels sprouts for a 10-year-old a kid. Brussels sprouts, yeah. That could be not a lot or too many. Not too many, yeah. But... This movie is not, like, you're not going to grow up and like this movie. This movie is going to remain bad. Yeah, this is this is soggy, microwaved uh, Brussels sprouts. <laughs> it's just sad. Yeah, it's sad, sad microwave mi- Brussels yeah. sprouts. Sad um, microwave Brussels sprouts. I... So I I think, like I said, I, I think I'm, I'm a little bit on the opposite. I think it went... The first Hobbit movie was pretty good. It was solid. It wasn't The Fellowship. Yeah. It wasn't Two Towers, it wasn't Return of the King, but it was a very good start to what could have been a very good movie or movie series, right? Second one, for my money, it went, it was like, you had some good bits. Like, you had the bit where it's like, ah, yes, you've met the the, the shape changer, which was in the books, which I didn't think was going to be there. It was really good, felt faithfully done. Mirkwood, pretty, pretty okay, right? You get the spider scene, not bad, like... Again, CGI, awful. 
awful. Yes. yes. Uh, but whatever. You get the you get the bits in the in the Elven King's halls. Really good. I like Thranduil. Uh, he was pretty good. I actually liked the addition of Legolas because it it kind of like yeah he would have been there. Whatever. He wasn't a named character in the books, but he would have technically been there. Uh, but then you get the Elven Dwarven romance starting. Yeah, I I've. A lot of feelings about that. None of them positive. <laughs> I so my first complaint is that I feel like it it just it immediately cheapens Legolas and Gimli's whole dynamic throughout the original trilogy. I so I can I can tell you why they probably did that specifically because Legolas was there. Um, which I, I think that at the end of the Hobbit, Legolas wouldn't have been quite so angry at dwarves, which was weird. If he wouldn't have like if the ending of the Hobbit hadn't have it, it might have actually made that enmity between Legolas and Gimli better if it was done in a much better way in this Hobbit film. I still wouldn't have agreed with it. I actually think it would have been better if instead of an elven woman, it was an elven dude, uh, and it was this like Tolkien's sort of platonic friendship deal, mm-hmm. like. Like, why are you being friends with this dwarf? He's he's like really cool, dude. Like, look at look at him. He's like a pet. <laughs> like, <laughs> just even something like that would have actually been better. If yeah. if the other elf was a dude and thought of the other thought of that uh, thought of a, what was it Philly or Killy, whichever whichever the hell one it was, as like just like you know we had this weird bond like over whatever. Cool, we're both orphans. Ha ha. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Great. We're 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 kicking it off and we're friends and I've got to do stuff for them and at the end Legolas is just pissed off as all get out cuz this is his friend. Like whatever. You're stealing my friends. Don't do it. Now everyone's dead. Cool. Good. End of story. I hate dwarves. Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> and then it would have made that whole relationship with Gimli and Legolas all that much more poignant. Yeah. At, there's, at, at the end. There's a lot of things in Battle of Five Armies that really just make they <laughs> They make fellowship make a lot less sense. You know, if you if you accept like the Hobbit trilogy as canon, which I guess technically we have to. Um, yes. It, how how did Gandalf just not immediately be like, oh, that's the One Ring? Like they that whole that whole beginning sequence when like Gandalf. Like sees Bilbo with the ring, and then goes and like re like spends like, you know, in the books years researching it, and then he comes back and he's like, oh that that's the one ring, like he should have he should have just known like right then and there like, oh we just like my friends and I just had this fight with Sauron, uh, and then Bilbo just showed up with this weird ring, and we were just talking about the one ring, maybe these are connected oh so in the actual books if i don't i have to go back and read the books and double check i don't know that gandalf ever makes some sort of snide comment to bilbo about like ah yes just be careful with magic rings or anything like that uh in the in the books i want to say uh because i'm i'm a huge nerd and i've read all the appendices and everything like millions of times but i've in my mind i've put it out of my head to make room for other more inane things uh, which I should never do because I should just always have all that knowledge there in my mind, was that, I mean, a lot of what happened in the actual, in, in the Hobbit movie happened 
It just may not have happened in that order. I think the biggest thing that they did in the Hobbit movie was that they just were like, yes, this is Sauron. Yes. That was the thing, I think, because it's like, okay, they thought it was maybe just one of the Nazgul. Hmm. Like, ah, yeah, like, it's the Witch King of Angmar. Cool. That's that's what this is. Like, yeah. it's just, it's not Sauron. It's not him. It's just one of his minions. All right, cool. We'll deal with him like we dealt with his bitch ass up in Angmar. Like, whatever. Like, all yeah. those hundreds of years ago. Or thousands or whatever it was. Like, that's fine. Cool. But, like, for them to just say, yes, this is Sauron, and then Gandalf to actually be like, yeah, just watch out for magic rings... Especially like his comment in the movie where it's like, uh, you know, hey, there, you know, there's a lot of magic rings in this world. Just watch out for them. You would think that the prevalence of magic rings would be much greater. Yeah. Throughout, like, if that was the throwaway line that they did to describe that, like, you'd think that like maybe one or two of the dwarves would have like magic rings too. Like, ah, I've got like a, haha, I have a ring that protects me from fire. Haha, I can stand in lava. Haha, let's do this scene. Like, <laughs> they go. Going back to Desolation of Small, you get that scene with the molten gold. That one was I, awful. Oh my. What did they think was gonna happen? I What did they think? It <laughs> it seems it 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 reminds me of like the video that like the video you get with like a universal theme park ride. Ditto ditto <laughs> with the barrel sequence. I so I I thought the barrel sequence was kind of fun and very well storyboarded. I didn't like it when the dwarves were starting to jump out of the barrels like some sort of damn ass salmons. Okay. Uh, yeah, I I, I respect like the CGI was bad in it. And yep. when the dwarves started jumping out and doing acrobatics, that's when I'm like, "No, nah, this is a bit much." But everything else like I, you know what? If they're like they're shooting back at the the orcs throwing rocks at them, throwing axes at them, I can live with that. That's kind of cool. But yeah, I the, the gold scene was way worse for me yes. uh, in that movie. But I, I'll forgive the barrel sequence because it's that one was at least kind of fun. That's the only that's my only take on that scene. Basically, I, I strongly dislike the barrel sequence. <laughs> yeah, them them hopping out of the barrels and then the the one dwarf like I don't I don't even know what to call it, like Tasmanian deviling. Like, oh, uh, Bomber? The, yeah, yeah the, 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 the big fat one, yeah. That one was bad. Yeah, like he just, like, sticks his, his arms, arms out of it, and he's just like, ah, ha, 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 and spins. Yeah, like a whirling dervish or something. I, I get that they were trying to make the dwarves, like, more like, ah, oh, yes, these are hardy, battle-hardened dwarves. Like, no, like, that's not really how you do like it. cartoon characters, and, like, not enjoyable ones either. <laughs> I... R.A. Salvatore did better dwarves than Peter Jackson in the Hobbit movies. So I only I only vaguely kind of understand this reference. What what are okay. the what are they like in in R.A. Salvatore? I uh, I have not I've not even come close to like making a dent in his his thorough his he has so many books and I've not read I've barely scratched the surface. Um, it's tolkien-esque dwarves except yeah you know they're they're exactly what you think of when you think of a D dwarf oh yeah. well i mean that makes sense because ari salvatore did the um oh what's the the big the drow character dritz dritz yeah dritz. he did that so i guess it makes sense that he would do D dwarves pretty yeah. faithfully uh and i think i think all of his all of his books that i know of are are under are actually under the uh, 
the D and D like trademark. Trademark. Yeah, you know what? I think you're. I think they're all like in Forgotten Realms because I all of my experience with Salvatore's work is his like Dritzt series. I I will say though the biggest thing that I because I I kind of wanted to read read some of them uh, for a while and I haven't. Uh, and one of the big reasons was because everyone's like, and I had for a time actually played without actually reading them. I had played like a male drow, uh, being like, except instead of like being good, he was actually evil too. Okay, uh, so I didn't, I didn't do the whole like good drow, but I got so much shit cause I'm like, oh, you're just trying to do like the whole dritz thing. I'm like, no, I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, and so I think now the stigma with the whole like, People wanting to play edgy drow are now replaced by people wanting to play edgy tieflings. So I'm okay yes. to actually <laughs> to, to actually do this. Tieflings are definitely the new drow. Oh, they are, uh, except except instead of you know because drow are actually legitimately everywhere. Uh, but it is kind of hard to find a, a good drow. But it's not as as I feel like it's more common than you would think. Really, tieflings are in canon supposed to be exceptionally rare, and every table has like four. Yes, from what I understand. Yes. So I I know several people that play D D and I also know several several of those people play Tieflings. Yes. They are uh for a, a for a, a very uncommon race, there's a sure a lot of them. Do the do the counter the counter uh thing and instead of doing the Tiefling, be really edgy and play an Azimar yes, instead. I, I knew you were gonna say Azimar. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing I can recommend for you is on there's an audiobook that is just a collection of Dritzt stories and like stories of, of him and his companions and they are read all by different people and you've got like Tom Felton aka Draco Malfoy you've got Ice T. Ice oh. motherfucking tea reading as Dritz Doarden. That's amazing. It's somebody told me that there was a collection where Ice T reads about or like Ice T like reads a short story about Dritz, and I was like instantly bought it. I immediately bought it. <laughs> as soon as they told me that, I was like, yes, I'm buying it. I uh Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, reads a short story about a dwarf. That, you know, that makes very much sense. It's it's phenomenal. It's the best money I've ever spent on an audible. I'm going to, uh, you know, the, the next audible credit I get. That's, yes. that's, uh, that might be the one. Back to the movie that we're talking Back about, I actual, guess. Yeah, we'll stop talking I about think, better I think, fiction. Yes, I think that's the reason why we're digressing so much is because, man, we don't want to talk about we how bad these movies are. I don't want to think about them. I will say... That my favorite part of the entire, not even, not even just like the the two movies we're talking about, the trilogy, the actual like you know um, the first part, which was by all accounts pretty good, Lake Town and Bard, and then the King of Lake Town, uh, who was Stephen Fry. Yes, that whole like. City made built on stilts, weird sort of almost Victorian Gothic feel, like it was. I was there for it. I liked it. 
the whole like, oh yeah, Bard's kind of this like, yeah, he's a smuggler and a fisherman, like mysterious, like connected to this like weird lineage. Like that's the movie I want to watch is just a movie about him. Fuck all this other nonsense. I want to see him interacting in previous times with the King of Lake Town. Ah, like, ah, that slippery Bard, he's got out of my grasp again. He's... There's there's a bunch of stuff going on here and subverting my like it's sort of like almost like a, a Robin Hood story right King yeah. John and uh, and Robin Hood but yeah. instead of that it's Stephen Fry as the King of Lake Town and and uh, what is it not Lee Pace is it Lee Pace no Lee Pace is Thranduil but whoever plays Bard I yes friggin love him that's the shining crown jewel of this entire movie for me and it's very rare that it's just those sequences and yeah. I'm very sad yeah I mean I will always take more Stephen Fry yes. Yeah, you know, there's there's a whole lot of like ideas in these movies that would have been much better movies on their own. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Like, I, I would have loved to have seen a movie about the dwarves in exile. Yes. I will say, one of the cooler moments, because you rarely see a movie with dwarves in a pitched battle, right? Or even fiction for that matter. Yeah. But the moment where Dane, Ironfoot, just comes over the hill, like, you know, two tower style and like ah they're just all on fucking rams yes which is you know i guess D canon yeah that's that's kind of what they ride yeah and they have these big mechanical things that like destroy all the arrows that was cool that was a cool shot cool sequence cool cool stuff the the big problem that i had was all the other like ancillary sort of things that they were dealing with in this is why i didn't like i like desolation better than five armies right was that everything looked like a like your problem with the barrel sequence? Yeah. That was the entirety of Five Armies. Yeah, that's also true. It was just like, oh, we're throwing axes back and forth. We're having this chariot race chase or whatever against this troll who's got a thing on his back. Oh, the dwarf is on the troll's back and is controlling him like a puppet now. Ha <laughs> ha. No, miss me with that. Miss me with that yeah. shit. Oh, man. We I, just go back to talking about dreads books. <laughs> You know what? Maybe, maybe we'll just maybe once I maybe once I read one of them, uh, we'll we'll just do a special book episode. Yeah. Instead. Hell yes. Uh, but I felt like the whole point of it, though, like especially in Five Armies, like Desolation of Smog, Bilbo was like the main focus of it, right? He yeah. he was there. He was it was centered on him. And then you're like throughout most of Five Armies, it's like where in the hell is Bilbo and what in the hell is he doing? <laughs> yeah. He's just kind of like here. Which, he like shows up sometimes to like. In the book, he was admittedly knocked out in the battle and then yeah. came to at the end of it, which that makes sense. But like even at the beginning parts, like it's just they never really built Thorin up as like this this hero sort of figure at all. Even in the first couple movies, he was always kind of a bastard. Like yeah. he felt that way to me. He was always kind of like this just grumpy dwarf. Uh, who wasn't old enough to be as grumpy as he was. And then at the end, you're supposed to be like, oh, no. Like, oh, and then he's just being a dick. Like, oh, man, yeah, he's got this dragon sickness, whatever. He's angry. And then Bilbo leaves, and then he comes back, and then, ah, they, he, he's dying, and they become friends. Yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense. They never built, like in the books, they never built his character up to be like this noble sort of um, dwarf of his word uh like yeah he was kind of like a good fighter at some points it was like yeah "Yeah, he's like this reliable stout dwarf and that was about it yeah i don't yeah there's like they're talking about like oh you the the thorn i knew would have 
honored his deal. Like we never would, saw any of that. Would he have? Would he? Did, do we know this? Where was that characterization? <laughs> he he has just as much like in the bits where you see Dane interacting in the battle. I feel like you get just as much of a sense of Dane as you did in like those ten minutes that he's on screen versus the like eight hours that Thorin is at least mentioned or or on screen. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I I will say uh, another digression here on it is, especially in Battle of Five Armies, I liked the I kind of liked the um, because it felt more in keeping with the you know the Legolas from like you know Return of the King Two Towers sort of era, uh, like his little bits where he's doing whatever he's doing. That was honestly like uh, if anyone's going to be doing this acrobatic bullshit, it's the elf. It's the damn ass elf. And that was cool where I'm like, okay, I like that. I like when they went up to like the Angmar area and scouted that out. Again, it's that ancillary stuff that was like, this would be really interesting if it was a movie on its own. (laughs) We keep coming back to, we just want to be watching different movies. That's, that's all it is because like, and just the battle of five armies. It was all it was is, we're just jumping around like a cartoon, but this is supposed to be live action. I think it's just that they overly CGI'd everything and it wasn't great. And everyone was doing just like, I I don't know how much time that those actors were even on screen or if it was just some computer animator in a sweatshop in China, (laughs) like just just constantly being whipped by Peter Jackson himself. (laughs) The question I kept like, asking myself is did Peter Jackson watch his own movies before he made these? Because <sighs> I feel like there's just a lot of stuff in these that contradicts itself. Yeah, I think a lot of it, and again, we, we talked about this on the first half of it, was that what is how much of it was Peter Jackson versus the studio meddling? I I still don't know. I kind of almost want to do the thing where I like um have you did you see what is it um um the walking cities oh yes i do know mortal engines yeah mortal engines i kind of want to watch that and see if it was like actually like okay peter jackson was doing this sort of i guess maybe original content i don't know if it was or not if it was based on a book i think it's based yeah i think i think it was based on a book book i want to see what he does with that and see if it was at least any good i've never read the book but like if it's good just be like okay because if it is, I feel like, yeah, maybe he is cash. Maybe he, the studio was cash grabbing. But if it is shitty, like maybe maybe just Peter Jackson was just a fluke, honestly. Maybe he just caught lightning in a bottle. Yeah, which doesn't necessarily seem to track with the like young Peter Jackson, you know, making movies about zombies and just horrible gore movies. That's what I missed. You know what? That's That's what I missed. Because in The Lord of the Rings... And the Return of the King and the Two Towers. You had one to three hundred Polynesian men dressed up in full prosthetics in full plate armor. Yes. And then they were fighting against people who maybe also, again, you know, they might have had like a little bit of digital touch up here and there. They were fighting against people in full plate armor with real swords. Yeah. I don't think there was actually any of that in any of the Hobbit films. Yeah, oh my gosh, there's so much CGI. And it, that's not to say that there wasn't CGI in especially The Return of the King. Yeah. But all of the scenes where you have people fighting each other, it was almost inevitably real. Yes. Like, um, 
dang old Aragorn. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think there was one point where they were fighting, and he lost a stupid... He lost a tooth. He almost well, lost I his... Mean, he lost... I think he, like, he broke his foot during filming. Yes. And he kept he kept doing it, because, like, he was actually there physically doing the acting. Yes. And the fighting. Yeah. And, if I... If I wanted to watch an animated Hobbit, I would just watch the old Rankin-Bass one. <sighs> And I, I hate to agree with you because like that's that's not my jam generally speaking. My favorite part about that movie are the impressions you do of it, and that's that's uh, that that was the that that was uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, that was, okay, Lord of the Rings. But that again, you my ignorance on this whole thing because I've kind of I've seen them when I was younger, but I they weren't like my style, and I might revisit them now because they might. I might like them more uh, as an adult, but I I almost kind of want to agree with you, <laughs> even not like even to the extreme that I don't like those <laughs> like as much. Uh, I think you might be right. The CGI somehow, you know, he, it was like what uh, a decade later, somehow worse. Yeah, the CGI looked worse than it did in the original trilogy. It really did. Like and. And we, we mentioned this on the first part of the episode, but, like, Jar Jar Binks and Gollum, uh, they were, like, two of the first, like, fully mo-capped characters, uh, main characters in a movie, and they still hold up to this day. Like, they yes. are, they're probably, like, pinnacle of, of, of that type of thing. And then every, I think it's just a laziness, really, of the film industry. I think that's what it is. Because you can look at any any sort of thing where they do that CGI with like, you know, if it's like a person or or even like a creature, especially a creature, like it, it just it just always has the uncanny valley. And I think that while like Jar Jar and Gollum had that, it was significantly less than it is now. Yeah. And it's just gotten worse. Like even Jurassic Park, when they had the, the full CGI Tyrannosaurus Rex in some yeah, scenes. Dude, that looks good. Still yes. It's they can't make a you know a dwarf look real, which is ostensibly nothing but armor and hair. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't get it. I, I don't know how. I, Peter Jackson, you did this before already. I think he just needed a like. He is. I mean, like he is the king of New Zealand. He could have gotten its entire like every inhabitant armored and in prosthetics, and they would have marched for him as he is their king. Yes, they they owe him fealty. No one knew, honestly, I I feel like, and this is, because, you know, being a, a, a good geography student myself, I knew that New Zealand existed before yes. the Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. but I feel like, I, and I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw a big number here, I'm going to say that, like, especially of Americans, maybe not Europeans, because, you know, tenuous, whatever, they might be actually a territory or were a territory for a while, especially mm-hmm. Americans and, and in the New World. I feel like like forty to fifty percent of people did not know that New Zealand was a country before the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and because of that, I think that realistically, yes, the New Zealanders do owe Peter Jackson fealty because he probably increased their tourism by like a million percent. Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they they milk that cow pretty hard. I want to see like I really want to look at the the tourism. Uh, numbers from pre and post Lord of the Rings. I'm sure that data's out there somewhere. Anyway, I think I think we're 
we're losing steam on here. Was there anything that you just, was there anything that you really liked? Because I know we've been talking a lot of negative things about these. Was there anything that you liked? I, I, Benedict Cumberbatch as Smog is so good. I, and like, I've seen like some of like the, the behind the scenes, like production footage of him, like in character. Man, I wish I enjoyed anything as much as he enjoyed being smog i'm gonna have to kind of disagree with you on this i thought that it was so hot and again my ears though are shot from years of going to loud concerts and not giving a shit uh but my god was it hard to tell what he was saying and like i i basically know that whole sequence almost from by you know by heart from the books like Boy, was it hard. I, But yes, I do agree with you that, man, like he was a great choice for that. Uh, he got the tone right, I feel, of a dragon. I just like I just wish he was a little easier to understand. Uh, I, maybe that was just my ears not working. So may, maybe it's the fact that maybe my ears are a little, a little more far gone than yours. I, I always watch everything with like captions turned on. Uh, so I, I'm very used to like reading captions. Yeah. That makes sense. I didn't have any captions on for this movie. It was like, he was like the mumble rap of, of fucking CGI dragons. <laughs> the the, the Takeshi 6 9 Yes. Of dragons. Yeah. Face tattoos and everything. Face tattoos and everything, yes. But I, yeah, I can't, I, I agree with you that I think he was a right choice. But man, I think the way that they did it or whatever dis, other distortions or after effects that they put on it. Because I've heard him doing it just like readings of it yeah. in person and that was fine. Yeah. But, like, when he, when they add all the, like, to make him sound bigger, like a dragon effects, yeah. I think it just fucks the whole thing. Yes, I will agree. I, I will also say I, I really, really enjoy Martin Freeman. Yes, also very good. Like, that, this whole movie had such good casting. Yeah, I honestly, it really did. I mean, like, you had all the, all the original all, all the characters that came back, you got the original actors. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody, you know, um, what's-his-face, you know, uh, Gaston as as a bard. It's mm. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Fry, Martin Freeman, uh, Cabbage Patch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's great cast. And you even get, like, you even get, like, that those bits of, like, hugo weaving like oh yes i'm not just sitting down to being the whole like ah yes i'm i'm elrond and i'm judging you it's the you get the full like fucking warrior king elrond too yeah which is that was pretty cash that that scene was actually very good i like that whole like scene where they're kind of for the most part i think that they could have done it i don't know they could have done it differently i don't know there were some good moments in it, and I think the biggest takeaway was that from I think both of us was just really there were so many good things that they could have made into like movies of their own, but then they chose to make this. Yes. There were decisions made. This was a movie of decisions and most of them were not good. Yeah. Uh, Casting so, decisions though. Top notch. Yeah, top notch. Uh I yeah. So where are we gonna end on this one? Uh what what's your what's your final Final number of, of, I guess, zero to five Snake Pluskins on on uh, on Desolation. I guess we'll do it cumulatively since we did it cumulatively last yeah. time between Desolation and Five Armies. I'm I'm going to say like a one. I was hoping it would be better, 
the scenes I really enjoyed, I really liked. Uh, but I think I'm going to have to come down to... Uh, I'm going to have to come down from a three uh, to a probably one and a half. Yeah. Like, there were just some really good scenes that I really enjoyed, and then the rest of it happened. Yeah, I... That one is is solely for, like... Like, it's pretty much for Martin Freeman and... And, uh... Old Cabbage Patch. Um, yeah. Like, they were great. Yeah, Hugo Weaving was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, there were... They, like you said, there were some great scenes, but, like... Like, when those scenes... When the scenes were bad, oh, they were awful. Yes. They were... They were horrendous, yes. in fact. Yeah. Anyway, I, th- I think that's that about wraps it up, unless you have any other thoughts on this movie. Uh, uh, final, final thoughts? Um, just just watch the extended edition original movies again. Or read the book. Yeah. I think it... it we, we talked about this the first time, but it takes less time to read the book than it does to watch the movies. Yeah, yeah. Read, read the Hobbit book, because it is actually takes less time uh and if you want all that extra junk that they put in it it's all in the appendices at the end of return of the king basically so go buy yourself a box set of the lord of the rings and then um basically read read the appendices it's all in there um and if you can't find that uh i'm sure that the appendices are somewhere online and you can find them there whatever do that do that do that instead see you guys next time see you next time And I wonder if it really was. I think it was always was show business. I think they were pretending to be factories, and it was still show business. I heard myself speaking these terrible corny lines, and there I was stuck with $350,000 worth of show, and I had to get on somehow. Plus, at the time, oh, they were real jerks. Plus, plus, at the time, really pieces of work. Plus, plus at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Plus, plus at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. I really did, because he was a monster. But they all were, or almost all of them, those guys. He came on as a monster, you know. He snarled at you, like that. Plus, plus at the time. He was a monster. Like that. Plus, plus at the time. I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Follow us on Twitter at MWNS Podcast or contact us at MWNS Podcast at ProtonMail.com. All music used in this episode is produced by Young Carts and used with license.